Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. As always, we ask you to please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content, not just the front line with Joe and Joe, and you can listen to us from wherever you are. And most importantly, please share that with your friends. And finally, if if you like what Joe and I do, we have our social media program where you could find us at either the Frontline TV or the Frontline with Joe and Joe, primarily on YouTube until we're able to um, unshackle ourselves from, from YouTube. We'll <laughs> go somewhere else. But in the meantime, we're stuck and we're trying to use YouTube to get our message out there. So you can like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Jacob Imam. And we're going to be discussing, you want to talk about going into the breach, as Joe and I always say from islam to catholicism okay <laughs> that's not a topic a lot of people like to talk about okay it's always like oh i don't want to talk about that well that's not what joe and i do okay uh we'll talk about the things that others don't want to talk about jacob was gracious enough to come on the show and talk to us about his conversion from islam to catholicism um and hopefully impart something both to joe and i and to our audience now J jacob has been all over the place lately um in many many interviews so many of you already know who he is Having said that, um, I'm going to give Jacob a brief introduction. He is a graduate of Baylor University with a bachelor's in classics and historical philosophy. Currently, he is attending Oxford studying theology. Jacob is a convert, as I said, from Islam to Catholicism and has done extensive research in classical studies and specifically the Quran and Islam. He's given talks at conferences and universities, including the University of Navarra, the Catholic Liturgy Conference, and Bethlehem University. Lastly, Jacob is the executive, executive director of New Polity, which is a think tank that aims to investigate and construct a Christian post-liberal worldview. Um, I'm gonna, I can't wait to talk about that, Jacob. <laughs> Recognizing the defining characteristic of human societies is their fundamental orientation towards or away from God. Jacob Imam, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Hey, thanks so much. Really great to be with you, too. You're welcome. With that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello. Jacob, we always start with the prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O oh most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, O Virgin of Virgins, our Mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I know you've probably been asked this 700 times, and I know you have because we did our research before we did the, uh, you know, the outline for the interview. But um, I know your dad was Muslim and your mom was Christian. What was it like to grow up in that type of family? I mean, 
to be honest, um, I had an uncle who was married to my aunt who was from Egypt. He was a chemist, Uncle Samir. So I have some, you know, experience with that. I, I, to be honest with you, he has since passed, but his accent forever is like in my ear. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a specific, if I Joseph, hear it. it's great to see you today. Exactly, yeah. you know, <laughs> I can pick it up. Ask me the hummus, please, you know, yeah. <laughs> Talk about that though. I mean, um, what was it like to live in that type of household? You know, it's a bit confusing once you realize that your parents believe different things. It's the first time when your um, belief in some sort of objective understanding of the world really begins to crumble and that there's some sort of idea of needing to seek out the truth. And that was something that, you know, I learned quite early on about, you know, I, I actually remember quite specifically sitting around the dinner table when we were, when I was four years old and realizing that they had vastly different convictions about who God was and his role in our life. Um, it, I mean, up until that point, you know, I noticed that they prayed differently, that uh, they they had kind of mentioned some things that are a little bit different, but, you know, for a four-year-old self, you know, a screaming match around the dinner table really, really, you know, was that, that was something that clarified a few things for me. Uh, you know, but at the same time, it was, America's such a, melting pot as a whole that it's it's funny how you can still hold on to certain cultural orientations um even having been raised um in the west and i think that was certainly the case for my um relationship with my father you know just you know the conversations that we had the um the assumptions that he made obviously the food that we that we ate uh there's uh there's certainly a, a different cultural mix there and it seemed foreign at first and then just seeped down in my, into my bones uh, especially as as we got older um but as it pertains to living in different faiths i you know it was um it was just a confusing thing and the culture doesn't seem to have any answers and something that i think that is a major problem that goes even beyond some sort of cognizant uh, belief that you might have in the divine is that you really have to ask yourself, how different are my parents living? How different are like the Buddhist next door versus uh, the Jew next to him? You know, how in American society today, the pattern and order of our life is very similar to everyone else, you know, even despite having vastly different beliefs in terms of their religious convictions. Um, the secular structures in our society really are what used what what we could used to call religious structures in society. They are the things that don't change. Those are the institutions with major power. And those are really the assumptions that enable us to um, to to stick together actually as a cohesive society and i think that was at one point something that became uh clarified in my mind uh, is that really the the convictions of my parents are not strong enough to change their life in in extreme ways but you know that's basically religion across america i was just talking to my, right. my wife about this i mean we're my wife is Haitian American. Joe's uh, my brother-in-law. Just you know, little. Uh, our, our wives are sisters. They're yeah. both both Haitian American Catholics. Oh, so, I mean, sweet. 
you know, awesome. they're they're Catholic, you know, obviously, but they're from, you know, they're it's a Caribbean culture, different culture, um, you know, but, but you have the same and we're, you know, I, I guess belief system clearly, but at the same time, we were just talking in general, most like even Catholics, it doesn't guide their life. Sadly, I mean, like, like religion, I always say it's a mile wide and an inch deep. And like, mm -hmm. you could even look at the politics of, of America. And when people talk about like this type of Catholic, well, that is the Catholic that most people know. Most Catholics, right. I live on a street, a lot of Italians, it's New Jersey, Irish, Polish, my neighbors, they don't go to church. I know they're Catholic though. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, it doesn't drive them. How many people contracept? I mean, like an infinite amount Catholics, it doesn't right. drive, you know, and that's to your point. I think that's what we as, as people of faith have to show people, you know, and, 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 and frankly, I think that's what the machine on the left is trying to do is to say, no, no, you could have freedom of religion. Just keep it in your house. Don't bring it outside. Right. I don't want to yeah. see it. Yeah, Jacob, I love your thoughts on that. That's a constant theme at the front line with Joe and Joe is 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 the need to really show ourselves, you know, in a sharp contrast with the rest of American society to say, no, 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 we we are Catholic. We're Americans. We love our country. Okay? Absolutely. All right. But yeah. we are Roman Catholics. What are your thoughts on, on that, on what Joe was talking about? You know what? When you look at the life of Christ, you see this guy absolutely hated on both sides by the pharisees by by the uh by the jews of his day and you see him hated by the romans the em empire of his day you know he this this man was not a man that was beloved by his culture not because of truths that he was preaching though that was certainly part of it don't get me wrong but actually because of the threat to the social order that they both controlled and enjoyed and if we are not taking Christ as our, our leader, then we will not be a threat to, to, the, to the social order. We will just continue to hold our beliefs privately and, and to operate uh, according to the ways that the corporations, the government, the state, whoever has the power you know, of the time yeah. um, tells us to do. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so, you know, kids, I think, I mean, the contraception thing I, is, is no joke uh, on so many fronts. I mean, having you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, you know, 11 kids is something that freaks people out today. It's, a, it's, a, you know, people complain about being a financial burden, but, it, but it, that's actually at the point where you really have a fundamental um, reorientation in your life where you don't, you cannot live like the average American, your your leisure time is not like the average American, uh, your superfluous spending is not like the average American, your retirement is not like the average American. Right. Uh, you know, there is actually St. Thomas Aquinas um, makes this, uh, this case in a number of uh, different places in his work that um, true friendship is never going to ha involve money. He says that's a telltale sign of of when a, when a true friendship is breaking down, and and that's also just the Christian way as a whole. I mean, you read the the rule of Saint Francis, you know, which he shared with the Dominicans, and Saint Dominic carried on as saying that if we're really stretching towards charity, then we're going to have those bonds of of friendship that are stronger than any any other sort of societal agreement could have. 
something that's rooted right down into the reality that God created. And that is exactly what's happening when you have a large family, that you are bound together in familial love that surpasses everything that um, our society is comfortable with. Absolutely. Jacob Imam is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach because we're discussing Jacob's conversion from Islam to Catholicism. Um, let's let's go to scripture. One thing I would say about scripture real quick, though, what you reminded me of when you when you made the uh, parallel between what we go through now, in other words, and being hated on both sides and uh, what Christ went through, it reminds me of Ecclesiastes. There's nothing new under the sun. Right. Yeah. It's the same. It just keeps repeating itself. However, we're supposed to then do what Christ and the apostles did and the martyrs. Again, nobody nobody wants to die, okay, but we are called, if need be, to lay down our lives. Um, but what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to stand firm, you know, in, 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 in the midst of this. Uh, but, yeah, none of this is new. I love when people say, this is the worst time in human history. Oh. <laughs> It's pretty bad, um, but there's nothing new under the sun. We've seen this before, uh, but I wanted to mention that. Let's talk about Scripture. I have been remiss in the last few years um, because when I was in living in Brooklyn, when I first met my wife, I was, I was reading uh, Scripture every day on the subway. It was great. I was taking a subway to work and from work, uh, 45 minutes both ways, and, and I was just <laughs> feeding my soul reading scripture. Unfortunately, the last few years, I haven't had the time, on, and I got to get back to it. Um, but scripture, I remember being moved uh, by many things in scripture. Book of St. James, uh, obviously, yeah. is something, you know, that, that that I could think of had an impact on me. Had a tremendous impact on you, uh, Jacob <laughs> Imam, from what I understand. Um, how, can you elaborate on that for our audience? Sure. Well, I mean, St. James is really the guy who brought this to the fore for so many of us. It's not that it his his message that faith fundamentally changes our lives um, was not present in the gospels or the writings of St. Paul, but he he really makes it real for us. He he challenges us um, in in understanding that this is no joke, um, that just going to mass on Sunday or divine liturgy uh, on Sunday is, is good enough to call you a Catholic, you know, uh, and even, and then there's another, you know, uh, you know, this fundamental <laughs> drive that, you, you know, how, how much is enough? And the answer is there's never enough, right? Uh, it's if, if ultimately we are to enter into the very life of God that is fully self-giving, I mean, manifested in Christ himself, then, then everything fundamentally changes. If we are to take on the pattern of the Eucharist himself, who gives himself for the sake of unity um, to others, th that just is, there's just no end to that. Um, and we really have to start to rethink um, what, uh, I, I mean, I, for me, you know, a huge impact was that we have to rethink what we think is prudent. You know, you we know, have to, yeah. you know I mean, you, you talk about like the book of James. I mean, what, what strikes me always is faith without works is dead. Um, and you talked about the radical example of a Catholic having family. You see, it doesn't get more radical than that. That's faith in action. Why? Because it affects your pocketbook. You see, Americans are, are quick to say, even ones that go to church, but when it requires deep sacrifice, you see, that's putting your money where your mouth is. You talk about a family that has nine kids. Yeah. That's no joke. That is no joke. And you see, that's how we, and I'm not just using that as, that's just one of many things. Um, tithing, another thing. Um, 
radical sacrifice. You know, we as Catholics, many people, I'm just using the we, the proverbial we, mm-hmm. we believe in God. Well, Mother Teresa used to say is, I take him at my at his word, at his word. If we want to be taken seriously, we have to show people we take God seriously. Absolutely. And that's a, a specific example, just using that as kids. Like we can't be like everybody else, but we're supposed to be amongst everybody else because we're supposed to be leaven. But that's where we change the society. We all want to be invited to the barbecue, Jacob. You talked about like Christ was hated on both sides. See, no one wants to not be invited. Because if you start living like a Catholic and talking like a Catholic, we're talking now, people are going to be like, oh, my God, Joe Rosanello, get away from me. You're Joe crazy. Okay. Conservatives don't get invited to the barbecue. Nobody gets invited. You, you, the you liberals don't get invited to the cocktail party. Let's yeah, make there it, it is. There the, it the right is. doesn't go to the barbecue. No roast pork for you. And the left, <laughs> you're not you're not getting the gray goose in the fogwa. Uh, so let's make that distinction. But but Joe's Joe's exactly right. Jacob B. Mom joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Um, because everybody wants to fit in. Now, me, I'd rather just get involved with a bunch of other radical Catholics with big families, and I'll, we'll all have our own barbecue, um, which we should be doing anyway. But, but to Joe's point about conversion, what you guys were talking about, the need to show it, okay, to live it, so that people actually might listen to you. Because yep. I, I wouldn't imagine if anybody thought that I was living a sinful lifestyle that they could actually recognize. If I start talking to them about Jesus Christ, I'm, it might not go over too well with them. They might be like, yeah, really? You you believe in Jesus and you you live your life this, this that, or the other way. So there's, a, there's something that obviously in the church uh, called ecumenism, where, where we're trying to reach out to all di- people of all different faiths or, or, or no faith. But that word, Jacob, kind of like, I, I, I sometimes I, I get confused as to what the meaning of it is. True, authentic ecumenism. Sure. What is it? What is it? Talk about that with our audience a little bit um, about how we appeal to Jews, Muslims, atheists, agnostics, and everybody else to bring them into the church. Yeah, well, the great question. You know, ecumenism, where do we else do we hear that word? Well, we talk about ecumenical councils. Uh, these are councils that the church has had, 21 of them through the years, uh, that speaks to the entire church. Now, Lumen Gentium of the Second Vatican Council really clarifies this in some way, some mystical way. All of humanity is part of the church. It doesn't mean that you're baptized and sacramentally uh, a part of it. But insofar as we are created for communion with God, there is light that emerges everywhere in the world. And so the, the ecumenical council is binding, in a sense, on everyone in the world. Now, as it pertains, as it's kind of used in its you know modern sense, ecumenism is uh, is is a, like a term that we use to say we got to get along with Muslims and Jews, and we got to get along with with people who don't believe uh, what we believe, and that is a poisonous understanding of the term, in my opinion. Um, fundamentally, what we have to do is befriend people and baptize them, bringing them into full communion so that they might fall in love truly and fully with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Trinity, that they, their souls might be saved, that they might not go to hell, you know, that we might have eternal friendship with them. Ecumenism at its best is understanding what somebody truly believes so that you can lead, so you can identify those sparks of truth, those, those instances of light uh, that are within the universal human family and say, look, 
those truths that you love, they are fulfilled in the Catholic truth, in the Catholic church. Um, it's not just a chance of seeing, like taking on the spectacles of other people and saying, what's your worldview? What's your worldview? You know, enough with the worldview talk. I mean, that's, that's died and over with, you know, it's there, this universe is Catholic. It, that is the reality that we're living in. And it's just whether or not we are, you know, coming under to, to its gaze, to gaze upon it truly for what it is. And, um, and ecumenism is, is there to be fulfilled in conversion. I like the way you others. said it, Jacob Imam. I like the way you said it, and I want to hand it over to Joe, is that you, you were talking about how to maybe focus on the truths that we accept that, you know, those rays of truth that are in other faiths, okay? Mm -hmm. um, rather than immediately hammer on the differences, I would say, first of all, you said the right thing. I, I agree, Joe and I agree a thousand percent. Be, we have to be friends with people. Nobody's coming into the church because of anything you say if you're not willing to be friends with them, okay? Oh, yeah. So we're friends with them, we love them. But then I think that's absolutely right. Get on the, the areas of, of, of um, where you agree and nurture that, and then you can maybe segue yeah. into the differences and why the Catholic Church. Um, I, I, I love the way you put it. Joe Resinello, I apologize. I cut you no, off. No, it's okay. You, you touched on something that a lot of people don't say, is salvation is found in the Catholic Church. That's a teaching of the Church um, oh, yeah. through baptism and the Church. That's in the yep. Catechism. The next line is, if you're not Catholic, do no fault of your own. Now, I don't know what's on other people's hearts. How do we get from A to B is the question. And I think, to be honest with you, your colleague at the St. Paul Center, Mike Aquilina, who talked about friendship, mm. is nails it. To be honest with you, like sometimes you could agree to disagree. We've lost that as people, especially in this country. Like if I'm talking to, say, a Jewish person, we don't agree theologically. They don't believe in Christ being God, and I mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like, that's a big disagreement, but I could still like you and you could still <laughs> like me and we could be friends. And ultimately, I think this is how it works. You walk with somebody, you agree to disagree, you don't water it down ever, but you're still my friend. And ultimately, if you're doing it right as a Catholic, people will see Christ in you, even if they don't acknowledge him like intellectually or even spiritually, and their hearts will slowly change. Because I have met people in my life who are holy. I have, I swear. <laughs> and, and they stop traffic. They stop traffic. Holy people stop traffic. And if you're walking with someone who's a Muslim, who's a Jew, who's a Protestant, who's a Mormon, you name it, eventually your example and the love that you show will change their heart. I believe that. And I think that's where the heart of ecumenicalism lies. And frankly, I think it gets lost because then everyone thinks we got to pray together in some like kumbaya fashion. That doesn't do anything. Talk no about way, the problem dude. with that, Jacob. Like, they, they, they Talk about that false, I think Joe was alluding to it there at the end, that false ecumenism that we get a lot of. It, see, it strikes me, it sounds, like, it sounds to me like indifference. Um, you know, the, 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 the false ecumenical view. What's it, you have thoughts on that? Sure. I mean, my mind just goes to the church teaches us to pray. You know, the church tells us what we should pray because she teaches us who God is and how to, to approach him. He's approached us though. And, and, and through the revelation of his word, first and foremost, 
and in so far as they the church has given us words to pray then those are the words that we ought to pray if we are if we are you know changing that if we are uh you know not approaching if we're not actually approaching these these prayers in such a way as to truly come before the holy trinity uh, then we've just bastardized them and we we have no inheritance within it uh, i think that's a that's a major problem i do want to jump on one thing that that joe said that um you know within we have much to do i mean everything the conversion starts with our own hearts you know our conversion so that we might become truly friends with god starts with with our own hearts starts with our own neighbors um from there and expands on but you know to try and bridge two of these points that we've talked about so far within our the problem of our culture being so far like the, the actual pattern and order of our lives uh that's not just an issue of us personally that's actually an issue of our society collectively and and those are things that are going to take a lot of time to change that's going to take a significant um you know amount of effort to change and, and you know, somebody you know uh, has you kind of gave me a list recently of all the things that really need to change within our society is like you know where are we buying our our things from you know where like are we even paying any attention to our material cooperation and evil what what about uh you know our, our retirement like are we actually like following within the design of god or are we just you know in using a 401k like everybody else and you know who you know who knows where that money's going and or what in companies we're investing in when john paul ii has been so very clear with us that that investing is a moral and cultural decision there's no neutral it always reveals the human disposition of our soul the quality of our souls um but you know big one also is higher education and i think that this is um something you mentioned mike aquilina mike aquilina and i are, are working on this this project together the college of saint joseph the worker you know you look at uh, most colleges today and they public schools in particular and it's just insane what people are teaching them you know this uh, transgenderism which has some you know some good things to consider but it is a destruction of the family. Again, you know, it is a destruction of understanding what a human fundamentally is. And if a university is set in place to be able to contemplate truths before applying them, then it is bastardizing its real role. Similarly, if education is supposed to free you, then debt really doesn't have a place in, in education in this that is just another way in which people are enslaved to work for somebody else. It doesn't free them, doesn't give them the capacity to do as, as they will or as they ought. Um, and that is sadly the case for most universities today, where even in good private schools, people are graduating 50, 60, 70, $100,000 in debt, the average being $35,000 in, in debt. I mean, this is this is absolutely not a Christian thing anymore. And Jacob, what, have you been listening to the front line with Joe and Joe? I, I have a sneaking suspicion you're, you're a, you're a, you're a closet front line with Joe and Joe guys. Uh, you know I what? I wish. I'm just glad to find a compatriot, you know, in, you're in this saying that, I, mean, you're, it's, it, I mean, it's exactly, I mean, we need to shout this. I mean, you want to talk about, let, let's, let's stay on it for a couple minutes before the break. Talk about, I, I want you to stay on college of St. Joseph the Worker, how much more valuable is it to form a young person and teach him a trade, plumbing, construction, uh, carpentry, whatever the case might be? Because, yeah, you want to be a slave 
Listen to the modern version of the American dream, which tells you to, go, to try to get to a, an Ivy League school. Don't worry about that debt. Um, you, could de- you could deal with that down the road because you're going to be making so much money. Okay, Talk about how St. Joseph the Worker can serve as a real counterbalance um, as a model to, to, as an alternative to parents to say, I don't have to say, I can send my child to, to learn a trade. If they want to make a lot of money, they can, because last time I checked, plumbers make a lot of money. Okay. <laughs> and they're going to get formed in the faith. We have about a minute or so, a little over a minute before the break. Yeah, Talk we, about the need for trades in this country. Absolutely. Well, I'll give you the quick pitch of the college, and let's jump back to the America stuff after the break. Uh, the College of St. Joseph the Worker simultaneously trains people in the Catholic intellectual tradition to get a BA degree in Catholic studies, while simultaneously will also training them in the skilled trades, HVAC, electricals, plumbing, masonry, carpentry, so that they can become a journeyman, so that they can become a skilled tradesman. Well, guess what? When you're training for those for those jobs, you get paid. And so we, it is our goal that every student graduates financially net positive instead of up to their eyeballs in debt. That's, that's The trades are a dignified means of work. John Paul II likes to remind us, he liked to remind us that when God became incarnate, he spent most of the years of his life at a carpenter's bench. And if we're going to take seriously that Christ reveals true humanity to us, that he is truly the archetype of humanity, we cannot bypass the fact that he was a carpenter too quickly. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. Jacob Imam here, joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. The journey from Islam to Catholicism is what we're talking about. On the other side of the break, I know at some point I do want to talk about uh, Mother Mary, um, because obviously we get we got to talk about Our Lady. So stick yeah. around uh, at the front line with Joe and Beautiful. Joe with Jacob Beamon. We'll be right back. Thank you. Friends, this is Steve Lee with Veritas Catholic Network. I want to ask you to call us at 833-888-7884 and partner with us in the very important work we're doing for Connecticut and the New York metro area. Each year, we run two weeks of pledge drives in order to bring you 50 weeks of the outstanding, faithful, Catholic programming you've come to trust and depend on. This week is pledge drive week, so please call in. The number is 833-88-TRUTH or 833-888-7884. You can also go online to veritascatholic.com to show your support. Thanks so much, and God bless you. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Network. We're having a great conversation with Jacob Imam. We are discussing from Islam to Catholicism, and it seems like we go off uh, in a couple of other areas too, which is great. <laughs> that's it. That's why being on the front line with Joe and Joe is a lot of fun. And uh, and with that, uh, we are in the breach, and I'm going to hand it over to Joe Racinello. Jacob, just to piggyback off the last segment, where is this school? Like, where are you guys forming it in case people want to reach out to you? I think that's very important because ultimately, I mean, I think there's going to have to be a a different look for kids. I have young kids. You know, my oldest is eight. So, I mean, I got 10 years to think about college, but I think it's going to change because it costs too much money and the benefit, unless you study certain things and you go to certain schools, you're not going to recover that debt. It's just, it's basic math. I mean, and, and, and sadly, you talk about an inconvenient truth. People don't want to hear that, but it's the reality. I mean, um, 
so this is a good alternative, I think, for people, because not everyone goes to Yale and studies chemical <laughs> engineering. And if you right. do, God bless you. But that's yeah. not everybody. Um, and frankly, so where can folks uh, find out more about the, the College of St. Joseph the Worker? So the College of St. Joseph the Worker is housed in Steubenville, Ohio. We, we are re receiving applications currently for our first class uh, that will begin fall of 2023. Collegeofstjoseph.com is our URL where you can find out more about us. Um, you know, I think that just in general, we got to get back to this apprenticeship model for so many different jobs for occupations and uh, not just the skilled trades but just about anything you can think of obviously to be able to do some of the you know i mean many things within our society now demand an extreme amount of technical knowledge uh, but to do that education on the job puts a real seriousness to the work that you're engaged in uh, it's not just an extension of adolescence at that point where mm -hmm. you get a a break, a way of vacating from life. Um, you know, St. Benedict really set us the model for what a Catholic integrated incarnate in education is like when he said that you must work, you must pray, you must study. Laura at Labora, isn't it? Isn't that what <laughs> like I, when I first heard that, I was like, yeah, you know what? Seems simple, but a lot of times the truth is just very very simple jacob imam um so you're at you're with us at the front line with joe and joe joe pasilla joe Rasinello with jacob imam we're discussing from islam to catholicism joe where do you want to head well you talked about our lady um and and i i do know i mean just from your home jacob you know your dad was a muslim i mean they recognize our lady and i always say she's mm -hmm. the atomic bomb um whenever the world needs something like God sends Our Lady. And I actually believe that she will reach a hand. This is me. This is the gospel of Joe Resnella. But this is what I think, <laughs> is I think it will be Our Lady who reaches to the Muslim people, because there's a common thread yeah. there. What are your thoughts on that? I've, I've also heard other people say it, but this is what I think. How Because I don't think you can't talk someone into the Catholic Church. You talk about ecumenicalism. I could be friends. I mentioned my uncle. He, he, he was born and died a Muslim. You know, like, you know, so I mean, and and he would come spend Christmas with me every year, you know, so I mean, but I think it's Our Lady that can do that. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I actually think, um, especially with Our Lady of Fatima, it wasn't Muhammad's daughter's name was Fatima. There's like a commonality. And in fact, I think the city was named after a Muslim, I think a Christian married a Muslim. That's right. Like, so there's yeah so i mean there's a that's just me this me talking out loud what do you think yeah there's no question that our lady pinpointed the town of fatima to be revealed in you know there's just there's no superfluous thing that she does um, as it pertains to mary and within the chronic tradition the islamic tradition you see that she's the only woman ever named within the Quran. She's the only woman that's given the dignity of being named. Um, and as a result, Muslims are particularly attached to her, that her home in Turkey is not just a, sh you know, a shrine for Christians, but it is for Muslims as well. The thing is with this, it's almost as if reality is breaking through within the way that the Quran tells the story of her life and particularly of the Annunciation, I think. Um, so we Catholics celebrate the Annunciation as this almost nuptial 
uh, wedding proposal, you know, from heaven to earth. Um, she is the celestial bride. Um, she, and at that moment, the angel Gabriel brings to her this, you know, this divine wedding proposal and, and uses nuptial language uh, to describe it of the power of the most high will overshadow you. Um, uh, and, and obviously has to wait. You know, the angel has to wait to, for her response. It's not going to work otherwise. You cannot, you cannot force. God cannot force. He can only woo, you know, and, and to have a true relationship, a real uh, marriage, a, a, a unity of love. And so what does she say? She says, you know, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum, let it be done to me according to thy word. Well, if you look at the chronic narrative, those same words are in there, but they're flipped around instead of a subjunctive fiat, the let it be done unto me. You find a, a, an imperative, a command placed in God's own mouth. Be, and it is. There is no nuptial proposal there. There is no wedding proposal. There is no yes that he needs to wait for. There is the, only the, uh, the, the command of God that only but must be followed. Uh, and, and, and really at the heart of that, that I think captures the difference between Christianity and Islam in a, in a nutshell. Um, you know, uh, blessed John Scotus says that, um, all, you know, history, that all of creation was made for that moment, for the incarnation, for the fullness, the absolute greatest thing that could ever be done to happen. That's why creation was made. And that is specifically the thing that's rejected by, by Muslims. Now, having said that, how much praise is shown to Mary still within the tradition? More so, that more, more so than Protestants. I'm no offense to our Protestant brothers and sisters, especially evangelicals. The thing that comes to mind to me is this. Muslims reverence Mary, uh, and as you just described, Jacob Imam joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. I've heard almost lang I've heard language that is borderline vicious about Mary coming out of the mouth of some evangelical pastors. So, oh, I, I mean, and yeah, because me, you want me to be ecumenical, okay? Maybe you ought to watch your mouth a little bit. Now, that's the, that's the Newark, New Jersey in me coming out, <laughs> Jacob. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I say, watch your mouth when you start talking about when you, the, the way sometimes um, evangelicals... You don't talk about my mother like that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I know. Sometimes yeah. that's really what I feel. That's yeah. how I know that Mary is my mother, because I wouldn't let anybody talk about my mother like that. Like, when yeah, they give yeah. such short shrift, I won't get into that too much, but they're much... Uh, a, a, a stalwart Muslim's view of Mary is, is diametrically opposed to the evangelical Protestant's view of Mary. Um, well, and that's the thing that I'm trying to bring up, actually, is, is specifically when I've shared this with Muslims, that this truth is flipped around from the biblical tradition in the Quranic tradition. They get uncomfortable with it. They yeah. want more dignity to Mary. They love her too much for that narrative to happen. That starts to open up their minds and 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 leads them to conversion. Uh, you Absolutely. know, I think I think this is you know certainly a pathway forward, Joe, as you were saying, and uh, and I and I really believe that uh, these are the the narratives that we need to share. People are won over by stories because they are our stories. They are the, the they are the reality that we are walking in that we are living in. But, you know, I'll tell you, what I have learned in my own walk with the Lord and with my interactions with family members and friends, the limits of what I can do, and, and I think what we can do is love people. What we could do is speak the truth, and what we could do is pray that God acts. Like, like ultimately, some of these things, like to convert, say, the Jews, to convert the Muslims, to convert your brother. I mean, like your own flesh and blood brother, 
I mean, sometimes it's beyond us. We could try everything. We could talk about everything. We could show everything. Ultimately, it comes down to God touching someone's heart. What I can do is change my heart. Like you said, what I can do is give a witness of Christ's yeah. love to speak the truth, to know the truth, and most importantly, to suffer for the truth. Joe, let's get, I'm sorry to interrupt. Let's keep the conversation going because we only we have limited time and we want to get to a few other topics. Okay. With Jacob E. Mom joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Very quickly, Jacob, um, talk about, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about your role at New Polity. I believe you're the executive director. We had Andrew Willard Jones um, came on the show. We had a blast. It was a great conversation. King Andrew, uh, man. Yeah. Dude's great. <laughs> Love him. I, yeah, I, seriously. Uh, so what is New Polity? Uh, tell us, tell our audience, tell us about the organization. Yeah, great. Thanks. So New Polity is a, a part think tank and part venture studio. So on the side of the think tank, we are looking back into Catholic social doctrine, trying to dig up what the traditionists said about uh, what the lady ought to do in sanctifying the temporal order as we're commanded to do. How do we begin to transform work, politics, family life? Uh, what does the what is the tradition said about this? And what are we not doing within our modern liberal society where we are atomized, where there is this assumption that we are individuals, where there is this this go off and uh, you know make as much money as you can and don't worry that somehow helps the 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 economy in some way you, you know amidst all of these things that we're hearing from the world what has the church said about living within it uh, these are the questions that we are researching and doing so um at i believe of quite a high level we're also you know trying to implement it a study in ethics is always completely incomplete if it's not actually operable. And so when I say we're a venture studio, we're trying to not just be all talk and no game. We're trying to start companies in our uh, dilapidated Rust Belt town of Steubenville, Ohio, uh, so that we can dignify labor and, uh, and love our friends better. It's one thing, Jacob, but I, I tell you, I already know that you, you could be, uh, we could talk to you for about 10 hours and still not cover everything we could talk about because all the things you touch on dignified labor, um, going on offense, uh, Joe, do me a I mean, Well, go ahead, Joe. I know you wanted to, you had a comment there. No, I, I'm just, I, I like, you're basically trying to create like Christendom. I mean, like, as you were talking about before in, in honest, in all honesty, and that's a good thing, you know, like we have to take care of our own and, and I'll tell yeah. you what the society isn't working for us. It really isn't. You know, it's mm -hmm. very hard. I mean, um, I have five children, and I'll be honest with you, my wife and I, it's hard. I mean, we send them to Catholic school, costs a lot of money. We both work like we have help. A babysitter comes in this time, this, that. It's it's insane. We're mm -hmm. trying to do the right thing. I'm, I'm open to life, but let's be honest. Diapers cost 50 bucks a box. That's more Medicine, so on the Biden. I mean, like, like eight percent more on the Biden. Like, though. I'm just saying, like, like things no cost money. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is real re reality check. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. And I'm sure you encounter these type of kids at like Steubenville. Like, everything's beautiful, and it is. I get it. But, <laughs> but guess what? You start having five, six, seven kids. The bills start coming in. They're real. And I'm not yeah. talking about with the Mercedes. And you got to be real. 
But I want to, I want to, I want to piggyback off that, Jacob, to ask you a question, okay? And Joe's yeah, describing, please. obviously, and you guys, we've been talking about being an example. One of the examples is large families, okay? Um, getting back to that. When we were kids, you didn't have an Italian family that had less than five kids. Come on, let's get real. North New Jersey, you know, everybody had brothers and sisters. Anyway, my point is this: we've gotten to the point now in our culture, in our society, where Catholics need to defend our positions, okay? And we're supposed to. Scripture tells us that. Be prepared to give a defense for what you believe, okay? But I'm tired, and I'd love to know your, your, your view on this. I don't want to be on the offense. If you want to know why, you all with your stupid, insane, psychotic ideas need to be on the defensive. And where we are failing, Jacob, in my view, is that we don't go yeah. on offense. I say, you know what? No, five kids is a beautiful thing. What are you talking about? 1.2 kids, that's not cutting it. Five kids, six kids, that's a beautiful thing. Big families, church, objective truth. You need to defend all your, your insane ideas, and we force them to defend them. I want to stop being yeah. on defense. I want to go on offense. What's your views on that? Yeah, I, I mean, we have to, it's, that is in certain sense of prudential judgment of where you are. But, you know, as it pertains to the abortion issue that, you know, I just have no time for for anybody who says, who tries to be gentle on this, to be honest. Uh, you know, this is murdering children. That's all it is. I mean, just let's be honest. You know, like when you sure. stick in the, the instruments of abortion, that kid is writhing in pain. He's trying to avoid them. He's, he's, that's, that's a baby you're killing. Like there is no room to just talk about it as basic abortion. This is murder. This is murder. Uh, you know, and there is, there's no, no, like to talk as if like the person who is performing this is just another doctor doing another medical procedure. This is murder. We gotta be, we just gotta call it for what it is. We can't, we can't be loose about this. And if you don't actually think that this is murder, or if you think that, you know, maybe I'm talking a bit far, then you, you don't actually believe that it is. You know, this is, you don't, if there's a, you know, a fifth grade classroom and somebody just goes in and kills everybody, if you're not horrified by that, doing something by it, then, then there's a serious problem, but that's, that's what's going on. You know, we don't yeah. know these kids. We don't know the sound of their cries. They we don't know the sound of their voice, you know, so there's not the same personal attachment for it. I get that, but it's the same thing that's happening. And, and, and there is no room that I think where, where we can just be passive in this in this regard um, and, the, and along the lines of what you're saying i don't know when we ever stopped calling it child murder i don't i don't know and you want to know what it wasn't the left or the pro-abortion um uh people out there that uh told us to stop using that language it was so-called people that are friends and are on our side oh we can't use that harsh language well what would you like for me to do i'm called to tell the truth no way okay yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay and if you if you as a pro-life person as a roman catholic as a protestant believe in life okay and life begins at conception okay then what is it other than a the murder of an innocent human being what would you like for me to call it you, yeah. you know and, and and that's one of the the reason i'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the things that i that i was uh, or one of the things i was alluding to was on that issue perfect example why are we not why are we not forcing the def the defense to come? I don't have to defend the, the the position against child murder. You need to so you need to defend your position that it's a okay to kill a baby. No, but I don't want to be cowered into using language that's untrue, okay, or 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 more charitable. Well, there's nothing more charitable than telling the truth, and the truth is it's ending a human life. And that was my larger point. We need to stop being on the defense. The defensive, and we need to go on the offensive. Yeah, and and the, you know the, the only I think in terms of uh, these legal battles, 
we have to tell the truth on it. But also, there's something interesting too about these legal battles as well is that they don't actually reflect more any <laughs> competent understanding of moral philosophy or moral theology. Mm-hmm. Like the decision to Dobbs' decision was just some originalist argument. Like that doesn't dignify human life. Like that's they they don't get it. Like the American society is not holier today than it was two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, we but hopefully a decision that like this which has everything to do with our duty towards the powerless, that we, this is the idea of subsidiarity in a nutshell, that we are supposed to be using our power to raise up the weak. You know, that doesn't have to do with any any bylaws. That doesn't have to do with some legal methodology, you know, mm-hmm. and, and people are starting to just call the bluff on that. You know, at first, folks were saying like this is good now it's going to go to the states and and people are saying no enough is enough you know we're 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 not going to just play the game of the state like there is something larger going on here there's the issue of life you know there's the yeah. issue of love here you know and maybe that's the only thing i would say like in in terms of people think we're going too far the what i would uh, give as a caveat to them and saying yeah we, i mean we've given up everything if we've given up charity if like we, if we're not going on the offensive in charity um you know are we going we're going up to a woman and screaming at her for murder no gosh i hope we don't do that but are but do we need to declare what actually is happening yes and we can't yeah. be soft on that no no yeah. that absolutely yeah, yeah. can't be soft on that jacob yeah. mom we're discussing yeah. a lot of things <laughs> but uh, jacob is a <laughs> sorry jacob is a convert from uh no no that's what we do no, at the front good. line i mean these are all great conversations that people want to hear and learn something from that's why you're on our show because you have something to impart to joe and i and our audience jacob mom is a convert from uh islam to catholicism and that's what we're discussing today we probably uh we have some good a good amount of time joe racinello where do you want to go you guys talked about going on the offense and i think you're nothing is more offensive meaning being on the offense um than to be like christ he's the greatest revolutionary i mean people who stop traffic again are holy and here's another thing about the ideas with the radical left patrick denine who's been on the show um said this and he's right the 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 ideas of the left collapse under their own weight they stink you see like they stink and it's not even me being political or being biased it's a fact you can't build on sand and like the ideas of the natural law you talk about philosophy you talk about truth that's you're building on something solid people have to see that like i mentioned like my family five kids i work in the corporate field when i had my fifth kid I was almost embarrassed on a on a conference call. People think I'm crazy that I have five kids. And I mean, I said it. I'm like, I'm having, you know, but the crowd, they're just like, you're having another kid. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm having another kid. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, my point is, that's the offensive. We can't be like everybody else. We simply can't. And if we do that, we are on the offensive. But sadly, talk about that, because I don't think we do a good enough job at that as a a Catholic community. We're like everybody else. Well, as a Catholic community, and this is a this is a tough one, and um, I'm just going to out myself as as a hypocrite in, in certain ways here. And you know, we talk about a new polity, like trying to convert our lives and, and dignify labor and all this. You just ask any of my friends. I'm such a work in process. We're we're just stumbling through here. Um, but uh, you know, when as it pertains to building up a new 
community, like Christendom again. It starts small. Hopefully it takes over by the help of the sacraments. Um, you know, it, we really got to focus in on what a community is. Um, G.K. Chesterton um, says that we get to choose our friends. We get to make our enemies, but God chooses our neighbors. That's what a community actually is. It's, it's actually building up real relations with those around us. It's not clicks. He, 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 he makes a distinction between a community and clicks, you know, we're, it's, it's, which is a problem that parishes could become, you know, where we are just choosing to go to our parish and be friend with those in it just because we get along with those people, just because that's the easiest community to be with. I don't want to have to deal with all the, all the you know, LGBTQ stuff. I don't want to have to just fake it, you know, so I'm just going to, you know, be with people that I like being with. Obviously, there's problems with that. The most, you know, obvious amongst them is that there's that creates an echo chamber. Obviously, that also hinders our ability to evangelize well. But more than anything, it starts to really destroy our souls. Um, it, we are not garnering the the or developing, excuse me, the dynamism that our that our souls are 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 to are to develop. Uh, I mean, God places us in these situations to love well where we are um, mm. and to be able to convert, to baptize our culture and to change it. And we just, I think, often forget that part of every baptism is an exorcism. We just got to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff, you know, and uh, and and if we, we're not grounding our, our social order, actually like our day-to-day on charity, and rather we're build, basing it on systems. You know, this is just something that, you know, encyclicals for the last hundred years have just continually warned us about. If we're just, if we're just relying on systems, so it takes the place of self-giving, then we are developing something that's not just, you know, a, a neutral thing, but it's ill. It's bad. We need to get away from it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was going to just mention one thing, uh, and then I'm going to hand it over to Joe. It struck me what you were saying is that, you know, if you're just going to be friends with other Catholics, and I love being friends with other Catholics. Oh, man. Like totally. you said, but it strikes me that, you know, that's kind of like taking the talent and, and, and burying it in the ground. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to do that. Okay. And Christ is not in the, in the parable, Christ is not exactly happy with that guy. Okay. You know, <laughs> so we have to remember, I, I don't like having conversations. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I like having conversations where, um, or I'm more comfortable in the political realm and arguing, let's say for abortion, this and that. Um, and unfortunately the culture has made it very difficult, even amongst friends to discuss these things. But Nonetheless, when you talk about having to talk to a friend who's an atheist, who's um, a, a, of a different mindset when it comes to abortion, LB, LGBT issues, they're not easy conversations to have specifically from a Catholic point of view, but uh, we have to have them. We do have to have them. If for no other reason, plant a seed. Let somebody else know, no, there are some people out here that disagree with gay marriage. There's people that disagree with transgenderism. We disagree with abortion. We disagree with contraception um, and at least plant seeds. But there are conversations that we have to have so that God could do his work. We still have to open our mouths. So um, that's what it reminded me of. I don't want to be the guy that buries his talent um, because Jesus, like I said, is not going to be too happy with me. Um, <laughs> sorry, but that was my comment. Joe Rosanello, we probably have time for maybe one more question. You talked about, like, you know, basically the new Christendom, you know, and obviously this is what your organization is is looking to help develop. I mean, there's a power, you mentioned it, self 
uh, giving and there's a power in self-giving. I really believe that that translates all religions. It translates all political identities. When people see someone who sincerely gives of themselves, there's power in that. Absolutely. One of the greatest examples, and I'll let you comment on what your thoughts on on that, but what I knew a guy growing up, I went to grammar school with his son. He went to the University of Pennsylvania. He was an all-American goalie. He was six foot three, good looking. He had all the gifts in the world. He could have been an investment banker. He taught English as a second language in Patterson, New Jersey. He never owned a house. He wasn't Catholic. He was a Christian. One of the greatest examples of Christianity I have ever witnessed with my own eyes was Rich Williams. Hmm. Self-giving. There's power in that. And his example resonates in me to this day. Talk about that in terms of building the new Christendom, because I think there's power there that translates all arguments, all discussions, all religions, all politics. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's 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 the key. I would say that I think our goal is pretty futile if it's not if it's done outside the sacraments. So as a Protestant guy, like I had baptism, and you find these one-off outstanding men um, and women who do this. But as a society as a whole, we just don't we just don't have a shot at achieving this if it's not you know couched in confession, if it's not couched in um, in real forgiveness. A number of times I've made mistakes and. Uh, you know, within our business and and outside, if I didn't have guys to forgive me, if I, you know, didn't have the, you know, Christ example to forgive others as well, you know, I just, we would just be screwed, man. It just wouldn't work. It just would not work. Um, but the grace of the sacraments are not cute. They're real. And we need to depend on them. And we don't have any other choice but to depend on them. Uh, and to know that their their power is truly efficacious. So if this is not just a pie in the sky thing. Uh, this is we need to take Catholicism at its word, sort of thing, uh, and that's 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 where the power really comes from. All power derives from God, and He's given us the source of that to actually affect change, to affect our will. That is that is what power is, and 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 our will is only going to be uh, good. Like something good is only going to be affected if our will is good, uh, and, right. and that's and that's where and that's where we have no other choice but to be and, in prayer. So. And that's true liberation, Jacob yeah. B. Mom, joining us at the front line with Joe. That's true liberation. That's right. we, we what you just offered our our sick culture is real liberation, <laughs> power over your own will. All right, that you really can, uh, you know, you could do a little bit, but but ultimately you need God, you need the grace of God. You can only get that in the sacraments of the Catholic Church. But that's the thing, those who would sell you freedom are your slave masters. People like us proposing the right. truth, the fullness of the truth in the Catholic Church, all right, we wanted, we were, we're bringing you to Christ who said, I will free you, okay? I will free you from sin mm -hmm. and death. We have to leave it there, Jacob Imam. I'm so sorry because it is radio and we got to go, but we'd love to have <laughs> you back at some point because this was a Thanks. fantastic conversation. Um, and uh, hopefully you'll come back. Hopefully you'll like to front I'll, look, look, I'll look forward to that. Yeah, thanks, guys. Really enjoyed being with you today. Absolutely. And uh, thank you all out there for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. As always, remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.